Welcome to A Word in Your Ear, the story of a remarkable artistic collaboration bringing hope in the dark days of the pandemic as writers, musicians and spoken word artists work with community groups across the black country in the West Midlands to create new work in a spirit of joyful and exploratory collaboration. My name's Ian McMillan, I'm a poet and broadcaster and I'll be finding out from the writers and participants about how this all came about and we'll be hearing the brilliant work that got produced. Sit back and enjoy the ride. But first, let's have a word with Bobby Tiwana from Black Country Touring to find out how all this came about. So what was the genesis of this scheme? So originally this project started off um, as something called My Black Country Shop and it was supposed to be a project where we worked with a number of artists in shops local to them across the black country. Earlier this year, we adapted the, the concept of the project to the telephone. So they, they performed to a number of people on the telephone and based on their interactions with people, they then use that as source material, as inspiration to create something new. So they're informed and inspired by those interactions. And we worked with some wonderful groups. Now to the first of those collaborations between the poet and media maker Adrian Earle and the Sandwell Visually Impaired Group. Now Adrian, you're known as somebody who likes to push the envelope of what literature is. You're involved in so many different things, so maybe tell us some of the kind of things you do and what your work actually is. I'm a poet and uh, colloquially known as a thing maker. That ranges everything from poetry, film, podcasts, audio experiences, soundscapes. My idea is that if you start with poetry as the foundation, you can kind of create and make any art form richer. So whether that's experimenting on the page or experimenting in forms that kind of don't exist yet, but I'm working on. Poetry is the, it's the kind of the core. And it's always felt to me that experimentation, as you said there, is at the heart of what you do. And this piece that you made with the visually impaired group feels like it's a continuation of that idea of experimentation because here's a, an odd thing, talking to people down the phone, using that as a beginning for a piece of work feels like a fantastic experiment. It allowed me to kind of enter into a space that I didn't really consider previously. Like, we talk a lot when we perform poetry about the connection with the audience, but we don't, I think, really understand what that means until you are almost one-on-one -on -one with someone and you're sharing work, your own work, as well as the work of poets that you love and that to kind of touch your soul. And you're kind of seeing that feeling, that sensation reciprocated because it's not amplified via an audience. It is that one-to-one -one relationship. You almost kind of see the value and the impact of your work in a completely different way. A Word in Your Ear, a project gave me the chance to kind of do that and kind of engage in that one-on-one. -on -one. And no, no going back now, like that's, now my mind's been blown that, that that way of engaging with people poetically is just, it's something I'm going to keep exploring. Because usually you do a gig and one person turns up, that's a bad thing. <laughs> but here yes. it is that, as you say, that one-on-one, -on -one, that somehow, I don't know, a meeting of minds mm. or a meeting of mouths and ears as you say, it opens up all kinds of poetic possibilities for the audience and for the, the poet, doesn't it? Often we kind of engage with poetry as this artifact creation process, right? So we make a thing, we put it on paper, or we, we, we kind of put it on the mic, we prepare it for performance in that container or page in that container, and then we go, cool, so that's a thing, it's been done now, and it will go out to people as it goes out to people. But the idea of being able to say, I built you this thing, 
almost like being at the chef's table at a restaurant. Here is me kind of putting the tiny herbs on and a little kind of grating a truffle and I get to sit and watch you enjoy this, this thing that I've created for you. And you can tell me how it tasted. You can tell me how it felt. And I'm right here. It's, it's an experience that just, I don't think you can really kind of match it in any other way. You can't really fake that or, or, or kind of get any other, you know, find it in any other way other than either being one-on-one -on -one in a room with someone or like we did in this project, being on the phone and being able to talk to people, engage with people that way. Because you get a version of, of people one-on-one -on -one that I don't think you can get in a group. I think I get a version of myself maybe as well, one-on-one, -on -one, that I wouldn't have what was on stage. And what is that version of yourself? That's interesting. I think it's more of, as a poet, as a kind of like facilitator. Like I almost take myself out of it entirely. Um, my job then becomes, who are you as a person? How do you feel and what do you think about? And how can I affect that feeling with my words and the words of other poems that I love? Right? I love this and I love this verse. If I share it with you, how will it make you feel? And how will that feedback affect the next poem that I perform to you? And it becomes this duet. And once the call's over, it's almost like a decompression and you move into the next call and it's like starting to reset again. I'm just this vessel for sharing these kind of beautiful units of meaning. I mean, it's a bit of a weird one, but I always thought that like the idea that we can put sounds together in structures and put them either on paper or over a microphone and we can do this and record it across time and space and make people feel a certain way that we've never met that we've never communicated with, we're not even sometimes in the same bit of temporal existence as if you're talking about a poem that lasts 200 years. And we call it poetry and not magic, which is bad brand management really, isn't it? <laughs> Certainly. Tell me about the Sandwell Visually Impaired group and what, what it was like working with them, because as, as visually impaired people, they're often ignored by art or they're sidelined into a certain kind of art, but this feels just vital, the kind of work that you did with them. I, I absolutely loved working with SVI. And again, it, it's one of those experiences that I don't think I could have come away with it with unchanged. Because the first thing and from the first call that I got and that I understood that changed the way that I, that I worked with all the groups that came afterwards was the idea that like visually impairment is an altered way, like an altered form of perception. It's not lesser than, it's not, um, uh, separate from it's just different and if I as a someone who makes art can't tailor my art to somebody who perceives the world slightly differently to me who am I making work for so it became this open challenge then to how do I engage um, I ended up talking to other poets um, quite quite commonly uh, we tend to chat <laughs> particularly about the you know kind of like green room chat and you know we found that like so much of the poetry we love and, and we have a lot of respect for is actually just kind of a list of the descriptions of things like it's so visually centered which is weird for a form where you're at best you're at a mic describing things to other people why do we have that visual center and what would poetry and what would be a poetics that decenters that look like? And so, you know, that's the weird technical bit. Um, and then trying that out with the SVI members and finding that, yeah, you can, I can talk about watering my plants through just the senses of smell and touch and, and, and the sensation of light on my skin. And you will understand what I'm writing about. 
because your world, that is the way you experience it. Groundbreaking for me. Probably not so much for other people. <laughs> Maybe I'm a little bit late to the party, but I think it. I felt it was it was kind of vital for my practice. We're also joined by Sandra Troth from the Sandwell Visually Impaired Group. So tell us how you got involved with this project because it is a most amazing project and it's a very different to the kind of things that a lot of us have been involved with before. I think traditionally visually impaired people, uh, it's considered that they aren't going to be interested in the arts at all. You can still appreciate art and, um, and culture even if you've got no sight. And when uh, during lockdown, when people were feeling very bored and very fed up and isolated, uh, we started doing some work uh, with Black Country Touring. And this project led from that. And what was it about this project that attracted you? Because what I find exciting about the project is that it feels like it's, it's a one-to-one -one discussion. This felt like a very intimate kind of work. It was like a chat on the phone, really, but a chat with a different. It was focused. It was interesting. Um, Adrian was very, very good, very engaging, made it easy for people to talk. I experienced it firsthand as a, as a person taking part in the activity. And he took the information that we gave him and created this fantastic poem. And so what was the process? You, you just sat there on the end of a phone and you, you began. I'm always interested with these things, the first move, how it starts, what it, how it begins. The discussion on the phone started. I was a bit, um, a bit worried because I'm speaking to a total stranger here. So mm. it's, it's a bit, you know, it could have gone uh, quite wrong, really. But he was so engaging and so friendly that I guess by the end of the um, conversation, it, it felt as though we'd known each other forever, really. We talked about our experiences, but Adrian also shared his own experiences as well. That's what I like about this project, that it wasn't just a one-way street, that the groups and the people that were involved shared with the poets, but also the poets shared part of themselves, and it felt like that's what artistic endeavour should be, people sharing with each other, even when you can't be in the same room. Congregation for Sandwell Visually Impaired, also known as the SVI. Though I am here and you, you are there. And it's been that way for over a year we are gathered together in this poem. So I could say, I feel you with me. From the moment you picked up the phone you came to join me. A fingerprint in a notebook, real and close. As if I could reach out, brush fingers over brows as you would mine. Collect each curler key. Patterns the furrows make. We greet with a handshake, a hug. Know each other by voice. We've shared dreams, haven't we? We've shared voices, time and dreams. Where does that place us on the sliding scale of knowing somewhere between a passing nod of recognition and knowing the number of laugh lines based on the sound of the laugh? 
we are gathered here in this poem so I could say in a world that might not always think of you I do in the race to place as many screens between my face and the wall as possible call it relaxing call it doom scroll and chill I uncap my pen close my eyes and think of the archer her faith in physics and the bow the trust in her arm and that arrows will do what arrows do I smile at the riposte to a heckler and I'm there for the jibe about a cane uh, what's with the polo stick you turn your head then laser quick because I left my horse at home and we laugh together all of us we laugh together even the dogs and the man at the bus stop shrinks Though we never met, we're here together in this poem now. You and I and the boy who smells sweet of Max Factor and Suds Oil and the guide horse, ten hands too tall to fit under a desk but still trying his best is here with every friend you're thinking of now you've dreamed of, inquired all of us here in this poem, a riot of memories dreams and sentences real we're close enough to feel the cushion of presence as we enter we are shoulder to shoulder and i want to tell all of you gathered here in this poem that every one of us has a story is a story as indelible and beautiful as ink on skin we are a proclamation of poets so as the organ roars, sounds swelling so thick in the air you could taste it, I want you to hold hands, all of you here in this poem, and remember every fun touch, from the 3am poor pat, to the rain soaked embrace, to the arms around your waist, on a motorbike made for two, and no, despite the world, in this poem, we are together. Sandra, that is a fantastic piece of work, isn't it? And and what attracts me to it is the strength of Adrian's voice with the music, so that the music somehow seems to, I don't know, it seems to amplify the words. It's not a song. It's not a, I don't know, it's a soundscape. What, what is it that attracts you to the piece? I think it's a fantastic arrangement. And I do also think that Adrian's voice is perfect for the poem it does make you feel as though listening to it again that we were all together it does feel as though we were really linking hands and hugging each other metaphorically sometimes when you make pieces like this with people they listen out for their own bit did you spot anything that you'd said in there 
because I had a dream um, some years ago, and I don't even know how this come into the conversation with Adrian, but I had a dream. I'm a guide dog user, and I had a dream that um, instead of being given a guide dog when I went for a new dog, I was given a guide horse. And I remember thinking, oh, that's fantastic, you know, a new innovation. It's, it wasn't one of these little ponies that they experiment with. It was a great big six-foot horse, you know. And then I thought, how am I going to get it under the desk at work? <laughs> and that is actually used that bit in the poem, which is quite amusing, really. It's, uh, that's great. Very good. It is. It's, it's, a, it's a kind of true collaboration in that way, that, that these words yeah, yeah. end up in this fantastic piece. And we've got Amajay with us from Thimble Mill Bookworms. So Amajay, just tell us a bit about Thimble Mill Bookworms and what you do. It was started by two gentlemen, Dan and Gavin. Dan is blind and Gavin is a storyteller. So they negotiated with the library for some space, our local Thimble Mill library. And the book club was originally for sight-impaired individuals. So there are po- there is a pool of volunteers who come and read short stories to us. Tell us how you got involved with a word in your ear. I think it was Bobby contacted Dan and mentioned the project. And I'm like, yes, because I, I like poetry. Written the odd one or two. I went to a poetry circle. I used to go to on a Sunday morning where they'd give you a word and say, write something. <laughs> but then um, they discovered that I was losing my sight. So I've had to curtail certain things because it's not as easy for me to get around. Um, so I just thought, that's great. I can just sit at home and somebody ring me and read poetry to me. And I, I, it was great. I had a wonderful time. Really enjoyed it. It was very engaging. His poetry was very... Because he'd done some of his own work and some of standard poems that you hear bits of every now and again in films. And it's like, oh, I know that bit. Where's that from? And he read the whole poem. And so it was, I really, really enjoyed it. And, it, and it, it brightened up my day being in lockdown and I was classed as vulnerable because I'm, you know, so severely sight impaired. So wasn't getting out and meeting anybody and our book club had to shut down for a while. So that was really good to still get my fix of being read to. Well, lots of people will hear it. And I think what I like about it is that there's often this idea that the poet is this kind of solitary person who writes poems. And often we do write poems on our own. Mm. But this becoming a group thing, I find really exciting that somehow a group of people between them can create something that's that's not just for them, it's very specifically about them. Mm. But as you said, everybody can read this, everybody can hear it, can't they? Yeah, yeah. And how does that feel? Um, Very powerful, but also scary. I'm I'm glad I'm not the poet, that nobody will come looking for me. (laughs) (laughs) Why why is it scary? Um, I think because it's about people's interpretations. I know that, you know, I have some friends who... You know, poetry is not their thing, despite the fact that we have conversation. I'm like, yeah, but it's about it's it's about life. I mean, when I started losing my sight, I, I wrote a poem about being scared, about being in the dark and being and seeing a, 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 a trickle of light and not wanting to go towards it because of what I might find. Um, and I think I ended the poem with something like, um, not today, another day. I'll, I'll, I'll take that step. I'll, I'll take that risk and move. And it's just, poetry is just a great way of actually writing about, you know, how you feel. I mean, I was talking to somebody this morning and that's what they've been doing during lockdown. They call it their therapeutic utterances. Salutation for Thimble Mill Bookworms. 
this in place of a handshake. My palms rough from 30 second washes, nails a little bitten, a gentle squeeze maybe, two hands clasped, treasuring yours. This in place of the fist bump, right arm aches a little so long, raised feels like it's been 500 years or so, but yo, you're here, so let's bring it together. Touch gloves, fellow warrior. Shoulder dip, lean into the dap. This in place of the shoulder squeeze, the something buried beneath the flowers and clouds, the touch within the touch. Paragraphs of meaning from hello stranger to I got you. This in place of the man hug, the back slapping tussle, half wrestle, all muscle, the kind of love that gives you a nickname answers you when you call at 3am. This in place of the kiss, all the kisses, the forehead peck, the European triple, the straight on the mouth, the gentle cheek to cheek. This in place of the handheld face, the forehead to forehead touch, the hair ruffle, the chin tilt, the wiped away tear. This, in place of all the ways we wish we could reach out, of all the salutations this year has kept from us. This, in place of every way we'd greet each other if we could. Every way we'll greet each other when we can. Every way when skin is safe, when distance closes, when we are close again. This poem particularly, because it was like, what do you miss? And I'm like, you know what, it's, it's the contact. It took me about eight months to not give people a hug when I met them, because I'd meet people so infrequently, and then and they just automatically, and you'd have to kind of stop yourself, because that was your default. They developed this kind of like pattern of like, how do you engage? Um, you know, informally, of course, this is kind of my framework for the questions, like how do you engage and what do you miss? And, what parts of interaction, it was almost universal. It was, I miss contact, I miss contact and all the things that this contact can mean. How a handshake can mean a thousand different things. And in terms of the piece itself, I'm interested in how you put it together. Did it begin with the voice, begin with the music, have both happening simultaneously? So when I soundscape, what I'm trying to do is put the poem that I've written in a kind of sonic space that matches its own kind of sonics and acoustics. So that poem just felt like it had a, a, like an inherent rhythm to it. Like there was just a way that the the syllables fell that was like, this is not meter in the traditional way, but it feels like it has a weight to it and these, these steps fall in a certain way. And then I just began to kind of build around that. I, I kind of love that meditative, orchestration like I like low work I like very kind of high sparkly bits because my voice is very much in the middle so when I tend to produce I'll tend to use lots of kind of like sub bass and like high top end and it turns out that that's actually a kind of a really beautiful synesthetic thing for people who are um, visually visually impaired or have um, sight loss because the the range and kind of like acuity of hearing is is often 
it is it's you know, it's akin to the synesthesia because there's so much more information there um and so i didn't know that at the time but it was beautiful to test that out and feel people going like i can feel you performing this in the space in the air around me it's moving the air around me and i'm like ah okay this is this is how it wins this is how we win <laughs> and that's what worked for me so much about this project that it's about very much individual stories and individual things that are so personal to us but they become universal they become stories and ideas that everybody can relate to because we've all been through this pandemic and yes. in a time that we things that we never thought would ever happen to us have happened you know that we had to sit in the house we weren't allowed out of the house and all that and they I'm, I'm so excited and moved by the way that these pieces they seem to reflect that time that unique time and it must it must be I don't know it's exciting to be part of it I guess I was excited to have um, Adrian ring and read me the poems. I think literature is changing in that we have a lot more ordinary people, if I can use that word, writing like their life stories and stuff, because we've been conditioned, socialised in that writing is something that other people do. And usually it's an elite thing, you know, academics and other people. And so therefore we don't, see our life and our life story and journey as something important. What really interested me about it was the kind of the one-on-one-ness of it, because usually when you hear a poem, there's a group of you in a room, like you're at the library, you hear the poem. But here was this thing where you heard a poem down the phone and it became a chat between the two of you and then knowing that somehow what you talked about would end up in a poem that then got written and performed. And how did that feel? It felt amazing to um, know that I'd contributed to something like that. And I think it's life, isn't it, where we, we take certain things for granted. And as they say, you don't know what you've got until it's gone. So then suddenly we're in this pandemic and in this lockdown, and you can't see people and you can't touch people. Because especially like me coming from a Caribbean background, hugs is everything. Uh, and then suddenly you can't hug anybody. You've got to be two feet apart, and well, not two metres apart. And... And all that was very, was very, very challenging. So to have that actually reflected in a poem, I mean, I hope that gets published and everybody gets to hear it. Thank you very much to Adrian Earle, to Amajay from Thimble Mill Bookworms, and to Sandra Troth from Sandwell Visually Impaired Group. A Word in Your Ear was commissioned and produced by Black Country Touring. The podcast was produced as part of Black Country Stories podcast. It was supported by Arts Council England and the DCMS through the Culture Recovery Fund.